and in tonight's episode, I look into my fondest memories. Today's date is March 17th. Um, last episode, I left off with what I'd conducted while I was 12, and, um, well, in this episode, I will be talking about what I did when I was a tad bit older, only 13 years of age, and 13 to 14. Um, uh, this this uh, this period of, of my lifetime was quite quite eventful in the fact that I I had my first operation done, and um, and the story is as such. Um, I had a mild stomach ache at high school. I I found myself found my way to the nurse's office and um, I, I explained to her that I was in avid pain and that I wait uh, I. I I had a stomachache, and it persisted for a couple of days until I went to the nurse's office for, I believe, the third time in, in uh, the third time that week. Um, she checked my temperature and said, "All right, this time you've actually got a temperature, so you've got a feasible reason to be sent home." I was sent home, and I believe my mother picked me up or my father, um, and we were lucky enough to get a appointment at the uh, GP's office. We did, and um, the it was my father who picked me up. But we did, and the GP's office um, uh, saw us quite promptly, which was was somewhat surprising. But I mean, it was alright. Uh, going to the GP's office, they the the practitioner did some general exams, I guess, or whatever examination of, of my um, stomach, and uh, realized that I have appendicitis and um, a very nearly imploding I believe is the correct term or exploding appendix uh she she then well in the in the nicest way possible told me to rush uh, to the hospital um she gave us a, a note and I remember this quite vividly because just the way I am I guess but um yeah so uh, we were rushed to the hospital and uh I was ad- administered in there for for many days I think um and just prior, just prior to the um, uh, to the actual like lead doctors and whatever coming in, and there were a bunch of trainees and and medical attendees, as they're more formally known, they're there to to learn medicine in practice. Uh, and they they also asked a couple of questions. I believe there were like eleven of them surrounded me in my my own room. It was quite a lovely little ward in a public hospital. Uh, I say public because there's a startling change coming in mind. That's what happens next. Um, in the hospital, the 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 nurse or, or something had uh taken my blood and um all was fine and they they had identified the appendicitis and and were going to proceed with the surgery. Uh, just prior to the surgery, they'd been um they had to take some more blood and samples and they did um. And I I do remember this really fondly. Uh, the the uh, what now I realise is the anesthesiologist, but the, back then I uh, forgive me, but I was quite young and I didn't know who he was. And all I could see was some white fluid being injected into my right hand. I, all he told me was it's cold milk. I mean, not the best thing to tell a thirteen-year-old, but um, it's fine, I guess. Uh, and that uh, he told me to count back from ten. I, I, from what I remember, is counting back to about six, and then I don't remember much after. But I do remember what my mom has told me, or my mother has told me rather, is that I, uh, I called out for my brother, and I, I quite explicitly asked, "Has my brother arrived?" Uh, 
to to this date, I don't know why I said that, and then, I, I must say, it hasn't really troubled me as much as it has confused me to why on my appending doom, or what I thought was confusion at the time, I mean, my body must have perceived it as appending, appending doom or whatever, but um, I called out for my brother, I don't know, but um, I guess the cheerio to him for being known in, my de- in the sequence of my death, I guess, I don't know, I didn't die, and I certainly didn't, uh, so yeah, and then what happened was, that uh, just just after the anesthesiologist carried out their work and they proceeded into the operating room, um, they had made a small incision that had uh, ruptured one of my veins, I think, arteries, one of my arteries, and then um, d- due to severe blood loss, I fell into a coma for about six days, uh, and I was then transferred into a private medical facility known as the Bupin Medical Facility in Clementine, church or hospital uh, in a coma there for six days and all I recall is everything being blurry and if you you wear glasses just imagine smudging them over and over again from both sides and just just annoyingly being unclear and then if you don't wear glasses just imagine watery eyes I guess is the best way to say it without ever letting the droplets fall off your eyes and um, in, in regards to hearing um it's all very muffled, like, if you were to play a dog whistle, I presume, in, um, in a really odd environment. I don't know. It's a really odd thing to describe. In in the in regards to scent and, and taste, I don't think I, I tasted anything also, or was smelling anything. Most of it was fed through tube into, into my vitals, I guess. Uh... I, I do remember, like, my mother and father, my family members, all my family, I guess, crying on the bedside for, for me to wake up. And I did six days after that, uh, after the initial incision, or cut, as it's more form, commonly known. Um, uh, upon waking up, they uh, then a couple of days after did some post-operative, uh, pre-operative, um, examinations, like checking if my vitals are okay, and then they continued with the surgery. And that was very close to my birthday in March, when I was turning, uh, when I was turning 13, sorry. So that was just at the end of, um, my 12th, uh, age of, age of 12, and um, just prior to 13. And, uh, I remember I, I had had my, uh, operation just, just prior to my birthday, because I had a birthday with, um, family and it was very small and I, I would uh, for, for for a very long time I'd, I'd get commonly exhausted and um, I never really let that hold me back because during that summer we then went to Spain for for a, what I can only say is the, is the perfect holiday did some of the most adventurous and life risking activities at that time I guess apart from setting fires in woodlands but yeah I, I remember skipping ahead many months from like March when my birthday was till till about summer, maybe June, July ish. Um, we went from Spain to uh, from Harrow to Spain. Uh, in Spain, I I one of the most life enduring activities was we went on a um banana boat ride or a banana boat ride. Um, it was a couple miles into the sea 
tug a, a banana shaped vessel tugged by a jet jet ski I presume or a, or a tugging boat I think it was uh, riding the waves and each wave would call cause people on on the boat or the banana shaped vessel to be lofted into the air and um I was presumably a lot uh, was most in fact not even presumable was lighter than what the recommended guidelines were for the for the uh, to occupy the ride, but regardless of all rules and obligations, I was still let on. Perfectly fine by all means for me at least. Um, I I remember quite fondly that it was me and my um my mum I think behind me, so I was at the front of the boat at the at the face of the wake in a sense that I was first to to feel the 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 waves crashing onto the our vessel. Uh. As as the first wave hit, I I guess I didn't have a strong enough grip upon the hand strap that was like in front of our seat, um, and so I was I was flung into the air um, at least a couple meters, most cert- most certainly more than two meters into the air, and slammed back down onto my seat. Um, it's quite quite miraculous how I didn't fall off the uh, the vessel after falling back down, but I landed ever so gently back into my seat. Um, while the, what I presume is fair to call the captain of the um, actual tugging boat, looked back and was absolutely amazed, while everyone else behind me also looked back in, in a pure terror and shock to see how I had been so perfectly fine. And then um, that was one of the most, uh, for, for, for others, I presume, the most suspenseful thing that happened in their day, because although nothing had happened to me, they were all so very terrified. And then... Um, I loved it, in fact. I must must say, it was actually so fun, because regardless of all, all health and safety, I actually felt like it was so thrilling, and that's where I think the daredevilness, daredevilness in me, I think, grew or came out, because from that point on, I, I feel personally as if I've become more and more um, daring in the sense that I will take more and more risks until... Or whatever I guess, um, but yeah, it's goodish, badish in in a, in a way, but um, it is what it is. Yeah, I just remember how the ride got cancelled, and many of those other passengers who were on the vessel, the banana-shaped vessel, were quite um displeased that I was allowed at first and all asked for refunds. While I absolutely enjoyed the the thrilling uh, life experience I had, um. That wasn't the only thing, though, because in the same holiday, just three days before we departed, we had all just as a family gone to the beach communally, um, and I had left my, if if you know me, even at the slightest, I am quite, in an odd way, forgetful of, of uh, objects, and um, so I was at the beach, and um, a wave came in, and uh, I guess my slippers or whatever fell off, and... Um, so they were they were washed away, and I had one on my foot while the other was uh, what we presumed at the, at the naivest way was missing at sea. We told those who operated stands for tour guides and paragliding, which we had also done. So we were fairly familiar with the um, activities people, but um, we we told them that um, one of my sh- uh, slippers were missing, and we we most certainly had zero hope of finding it. We thought. It's probably in in the Canary Islands by now at the the rate where the sea and the oceans movement, but that's what I had calculated the ocean oceanic drift. But um, nerd again. 
but that was me. But yeah, so we we presumed that we wouldn't find it, but we most certainly did still advise the those who operate certain stands and stores on the beachfront that um a slipper had gone missing. Nothing nothing too special about the slipper either. It was phew, fifteen twenty pounds maximum, and that's stretching it as well. But um. Uh, we became we would go back to the beach daily because it was a, a lovely beach, and we'd always ask him, and he'd say, "No, I haven't seen anything." But um, upon the last day, while we were saying our goodbyes to all the hotel members, we went to the beach to just to you know say one goodbye to the oceanic view we had, uh, only to realise it was actually the Mediterranean, but the Mediterranean view we had, or the sea, and um, there the the person at the seafront approached us who had handled the stall for the past two days and actually gave me my slipper and um i kid you not it was the most magical in the oldest ways to say it but most stupidly magical moments of my life mainly because nothing similar had ever happened where you think you with no hope something happens it's absolutely delightful like I don't know if many of you have experienced anything, but most certainly have, I presume, or I certainly hope so. But it was very, like, miraculous how a a slipper lost at sea can still wash up at the same beach just prior to my just prior to us leaving. Our taxi was ready for us to go. Had we not made the spontaneous decision to go to the beach and just say our goodbyes, be courteous. Don't think I'd ever find that slipper, and I still have it. Funnily enough, I I still have that slipper. Not that it fits anymore, um, but I still have it. Not just as a as a memory holder, but just as a, as a pure gimmick. That this this slipper, God knows where it's been, but it's back to the rightful owner. What goes around most certainly does come around. And um, on that delightful note, I, I would like to end this podcast and tonight's podcast for um tomorrow. Thank you ever so much for listening. Do take very good care of yourself and goodbye.